is not dead religion. Jesus is not dead religion. But for a lot of people, he is, or they treat him as such. A man was coming out of church one day, and the preacher was standing at the door, as he always does, to shake hands. And he grabbed the man by the hand, and he pulled him aside. And the pastor said to him, you need to join the army of the Lord. And this man replied, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. And the pastor questioned, how come I don't see you except at Christmas and Easter? And the man whispered into his ear, I'm in the secret service. There is no secret service in Jesus, folks. Paul preached the gospel in Corinth in the early 50s. And during, this was during his second missionary journey when opposition, it grew fierce there. And the Lord Jesus spoke to him in a vision, assuring him that he had many people in the city. And with this encouragement, Paul stayed on for 18 months, teaching them the word of God. And God used Paul's ministry mightily to bring about a birth and an establishment of a church of, of Jesus in Corinth. We continue our series in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. I highly doubt we'll get all the way through 9 this morning, but that's okay. We'll make a part 2. And it starts out, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank You that You are a God who restores, who renews, who, who brings life from death, brings life from nothing. You spoke into existence, and it happened. There's a big churchy word, Lord, we call ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. And Lord, truly, you are the only being that could bring something from nothing. And Lord, we thank you that out of the lives of our emptiness, out of our, our deadness, Lord, you bring life. God, we ask that you would breathe into us today life from your word. Forgive us, Lord, of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we may know you and see you in greater awe than ever before. Lord, fill us up. Fill up this church with not just people, but saved people. People who know you. Lord, help us to spread your gospel, your good news that you don't have to be dead in your sins anymore, that you paid the price for us. And we thank you, Jesus, for it all. Amen. Let's look at verses, or verses 4 through 6 real quick. But before we do that, I need you to know one thing. True interchange only comes through the power of God. You could try to change all you want, but it will not happen unless you have the power of Jesus Christ 
on the inside of you. True inner change will only come through the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.4 I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by Him in all under it, utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Now, the New Living Translation says it a little bit differently and gives us a little bit broader of scope. It says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts He has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through Him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Paul is continuing with his greeting here. Last week we started with his greeting. He's kind of continuing that vein. He starts by telling them the good things about their church, their gatherings together as of believers, that he has enriched them. He thanks God for them and for the gracious gifts God has given this church, which come by only by belonging to Jesus. Now, what gifts is he referring here? Well, we established, first of all, that it is, first and foremost, the gift of salvation. To be saved by God to a newness of life. To have our spirit renewed in Christ. And not only that, but to have that peace of God. Now, we discussed this peace last week in great detail. But I'm going to quickly grab a hold of that and remind us. We are reminded that this peace is not the peace of absence, of conflict, like the world says, but it is spiritually given by God to the saved. It is not peace between God and the unsaved, but between God and those that call Him Father, those that are known by Jesus Christ. John fourteen twenty two says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to Him, Lord, how is it that You will manifest Yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You know, as we are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we are given that newness of life. We stop doing the things that we don't want to do, and we start doing the things that we do want to do. And will that be done perfectly? What we said last week, no, it cannot be done perfectly, because there is a sin nature, like a stain on our souls and on our lives. You ever had ink on your hands? It takes a while to get that ink off of the skin. And it can stay there for months, but gradually it eventually starts to go away. There will be certain sin that you're going to struggle with. And the cleaning up of your life is something that will take you most of your life, if not all of your life, that sanctification we call it, the cleaning of your life. (coughs) Excuse me. The more you submit, the more the little things begin to matter. Those so-called little sins will bother you more and more. Why? Because Christ has cleaned you. Christ has cleansed you. That sanctifying work is continuing. And as the, what we call, what we say, the big things begin to drop away, the little things begin to come more 
and more into our eyes. Romans seven fifteen through 24 in the Berean Study Bible says this, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I admit that the law is good. In that case, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. Instead, I keep on doing the evil I do not want to do. And if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me who do it. So this is the principle I have discovered. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in my body, warring against the law of my mind and holding me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? We know from the world that those who are not saved will begin, not ever begin to keep His commandments or keep His words. Salvation is not about just saying a prayer. It's, not about, a com- it's about a complete change of an individual from the inside out. We are given new hearts. We are given new natures. We are given spiritual fruit that begins to grow. Not because we do works to be saved, but because works begin to come out of us, out of a true love for Jesus Christ and others. And what is this spiritual fruit? We didn't discuss that last week, but we will this week. What is spiritual fruit? Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit... Of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Did you notice the Scripture says fruit, not fruits? It is not plural. When we look at fruit, we see that each kind of fruit has a characteristic. What is a characteristic of an orange? Well, first of all, it's of a particular color. It's orange. (laughs) It's round. It has pulp. It is sweet to the taste. And with these characteristics, we look at it and say, yes, that is an orange. But what we have done in the church, and wrongly I might add, is we have taken the spiritual characteristics, what we call the fruit of the Spirit, and call each characteristic its own fruit. It is not. It's not the case. The spiritual fruit has the following characteristics. We know this fruit by what it has, just like we know an orange, by what it has. This fruit has love. It has joy. It has peace. 
It has long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And with these characteristics being what makes up the fruit of the Spirit, then I can look at someone and say, yes, that is a saved person. Well, someone may say, but pastor, we see an orange, and when we say orange, everyone knows what the characteristics of an orange are. So we don't have to list all the characteristics. Yes, this is true. But unfortunately, not everyone can see the Spirit with their own physical eyes because their eyes have been dulled by the God of this world. It is spiritual, and it must be recognized by those who are saved, who are spiritual. It's recognized by His characteristics in the life of the believer. The natural man cannot even recognize these characteristics in anyone because they are spiritually discerned. Now we're going to say, we'll see later in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says this, and we'll get there later, but it says this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Remember 1 Corinthians 1.4. Remember, he said, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Remember last week we said that grace of God is unmerited favor toward us. Unmerited favor. He chose us, not because of anything in us, because there's nothing good in us according to the Scripture. This favor is bestowed upon us as gifts. And what are the gifts that is given to us by God that He has bestowed because of His grace? Salvation from our sins, regeneration, and the infilling of Himself, who is the Holy Spirit. Who gives you this? It can be given to you only by Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through His shed blood on the cross, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 3.28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. If everyone because of Adam and Eve's sin, which the Scripture tells us is born in sin and deserving of death, God in His mercy took upon Himself flesh and He dwelt among us so that we might be justified. Now, I remember the basics of what this word justified means. That's a churchy word, and a lot of people are like, okay, pastor said it, I'll just go with it. No, it means just if I had never sinned. Justified. Justified never sinned. That's how you can remember that. That actually got me through a question on a Bible test one time in college. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, 
and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Romans 5.15 says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, remember Adam, by the one offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1.5, right after, you know, 1 Corinthians 1.4 that we just looked at, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge. I like how the Berean Standard says it. It says it's like this, For in Him you have been enriched in every way, in all speech and all knowledge, because your testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. When a person's unsaved, they cannot see the work and the power of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're not in Him. That is, regenerated by God to the newness of life. Scripture says that these folks' lives have been enriched. This church has been enriched, meaning they have a better life on the inside. Throughout history, somebody's going to say, well, pastor, my life since I come to know Jesus ain't been that great. You've had a bad time yourself. You're right. But it's on the inside. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. I got Jesus. How about you? Throughout history, we know that the Christian is persecuted. This is nothing new. There's a lot today that are persecuted physically and or socially, or both. Did you know that in most Muslim countries, if you're an outsider, and they even let you live amongst them, and you claim the name, the name of Christ, you have to pay the state a tax for that. Did you know that while you live... Because in all honesty, a lot of Christians, they get murdered in these countries every day. That you're a second-class citizen. The rules don't apply. Police may not respond to your needs. And if they do, not much is ever done. Because you're a Christian. Did you know that Christians in countries all over this world, especially in Africa, are murdered just because they're Christians? And somebody's going to say, it's not bad here yet. Yet, guess what? It's coming. It's already started. There are more and more folks in America who hate Christians and Christian churches in general. Ever since this Roe v. Wade leak has come out, the radical left have targeted churches, they've broken windows, they've spray-painted graffiti, and they've thrown Molotov cocktails into their sanctuaries. 
to cause as much damage as they can. They didn't go after any other religious organizations, did they? They didn't go after the Muslim. They didn't go after the Christian scientists. They went after churches because they disagree with abortion. Do you know where the one city in America where Christians have been pushed out and they are persecuted every day? There is one. It's called Dearborn, Michigan. This place has been overrun with Muslims. And now businesses and schools, they shut down for Muslim holidays. They shut down for the five times of prayer. They stop municipal services so that Muslims can stop and pray the five times a day that's required of them toward Mecca. During one of their festivals a few years back, a group of Christians were outdoor preaching and they were handing out flyers about the gospel and they were beat up. And when the cops showed up, they didn't arrest the aggressors, but they threatened the Christians with arrest if they didn't leave. Oh, and by the way, the Christian group, they had permits to be standing where they were standing from the city. And they were told to leave. In this country not too long ago, I'd even say as, as, as close as 15 to 20 years ago, right here in Florida, it was inconceivable for a school to hold sports practices or anything else on Wednesday nights. Because those were church nights for students. They respected that. But they don't do that anymore. I know that there are sports, bands, and group meetings on Wednesday nights now. Did you know that? It used to be that when you played baseball, you didn't do it on a Sunday morning because there was church. And now they do it anyway. What a great opportunity, though. You could go out there and have a church service if your kid was in baseball, a grandkid was in baseball. You could teach and preach the gospel, do a little sing, and then let them go play baseball. I'd love to be a part of that. All of that to say these Christians in the Corinthian church, they suffered persecution. Yet Paul writes that they have been enriched in their lives in every way with knowledge and speech thanks to the work of Christ in their lives. They have been enriched. Don't care what it looks like on the outside. They have been enriched on the inside. How can he say that? Because they were dead and now they are alive. They had grown in Christ. They had been made new in Christ Jesus our Lord. Unless someone experienced this or this, they have no idea what I'm talking about. They remind me of Nicodemus when he came to Christ at night so that no one would know that he went to this radical Jew named Jesus. John 3 verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see 
the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? And can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Jesus looked at this powerful teacher, a man of the law, A man who had the respect of the religious leaders and told him a great spiritual truth. And he said, Nicodemus, you don't get it. You're dead. You need life. You can't even see the kingdom. You must be born again of the Holy Spirit. And just like Nicodemus, there are many in churches all over this nation today who need to be born again. And they're not getting it because their so-called pastors and their Christian leaders aren't born again. They need Jesus. And they're out there. And they're thirsty. Where are they today? Why are they not here today? Because the Scripture says they will heap up for themselves in the last days with itching ears, being wanting their ears tickled to hear what they want to hear, not the truth of the gospel. And Paul warned us of this time in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgivering, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people, turn away. Turn away. There are many today who in churches that have no gospel. They don't have a problem with those around them because they don't preach a living gospel that tells them to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ. They're so concerned about so-called social issues that they miss what they need most, and that's Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some of you today, either in this building or by streaming or by recording, that you're in bondage to sin. And you need the one who can break every bondage. Forgive every sin. And make you new in Him. Will you call to Him this morning as the ladies come? Will you call to Him this morning? First of all, do you know that you know that you know that if you died today, you'd wake up in heaven? If not, I can introduce you to Him. All you got to say is, Jesus, help! I need you. Secondly, are you walking daily with Him? Are you being renewed day by day? Is your mind being renewed? Scripture says to do that by the washing of the water of the Word. And lastly, I felt this morning as I was praying in my office, 
Is there anyone in here today who has a physical ailment that would like to be prayed over with oil? James 5 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. If you would like that today, myself and Brother Al will lay our hands on you and pray that God does a miracle in your life. During this invitation hymn, Miss Joe.